this is the Queer World Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Logan. I'm the host and the creator of the podcast. Uh, I'm just a gay man from London who came up with this idea for the podcast about a year ago. Uh, I've been working in a corporate job for a really long time. And for the last few years of that, I've been saving up money uh, to go traveling. And um, at some point I decided during my travels that uh, I try and meet people from our beautiful queer community in the places that I visited, or at least all the places I was able to. Uh, I'm interested in seeing how our community celebrate their identities and challenge the status quo where they live. Our community is so diverse and creative and our identities are influenced differently everywhere, dependent on a million different things. Our sexuality and gender, for one, but also our race, our cultural heritage, our religious and socio-economic backgrounds. All of these elements of who we are, I think, influence how we live in this world as queer people. Uh, but at the same time, I do think we have one thing in common, and that is the wish to live freely and equally and in harmony with others, not at odds with others. Our fight is obviously ongoing for this globally, and sometimes it can feel like it's getting worse every day. But I'm hoping that I can share some stories with you around this that will inspire us all to keep going because there are small revolutions every day. And that's kind of a mantra I keep in my head all the time. Um, because sometimes living in this world as queer people can feel a little bit tough and like things are going backwards. But there are people everywhere in the world saying no and fighting back, whether that is through activism or art or just celebrating yourself and your community. We are still marching on. So our journey begins in Latin America. I started my journey in Brazil and I hope we get to travel even further in the future. So, welcome to the Queer World Podcast. Hey, hey, hey you. How's it going? I hope you're doing super well wherever you're listening from and whatever you're up to. Are you on the way to work? Are you going shopping? Are you cooking dinner? Whatever you're doing, I hope you're doing good. This week's episode comes all the way from Quito in Ecuador. Uh, Quito is the capital of the country, and Ecuador is one of the most equatorial equatorial countries in the world. Um, it is a beautiful country, uh, full of vo volcanoes, geothermal baths, uh, mountains, rainforest, beach, there's surfing, it's got it all and Quito is a lovely city with scenic hills and they are all surrounding it. It's kind of like in a, a bit of a valley I think um, and so there's just like beautiful views everywhere and they have, um, I think they have more than one kind of you know, monument to Jesus or his mum uh, dotted around the city that you can go to up in these hills. It's a lovely place. Um, the weather isn't as warm as you'd expect given it is so equatorial. 
but that's because it sits at like 2,800 meters elevation. So it's quite high. The air's a lot thinner. Uh, you get out of breath a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, the warm warmth there kind of comes and goes in little bursts, as did the rain when I was there, I remember. Um, but also the sun sets by like six o'clock every day, like it literally just disappears like that. So if you want to get out and enjoy it, you've got to get up early. Um, but there's a lot of history. It's a really old city and it's got loads of architecture of varying styles. The uh, old city in the center is really lovely. And there's some really fun nightlife as well. There's so many great food markets, both daytime and nighttime. Um, so there's there's a lot to make the most of there. Uh, I was visiting one of my very close friends, Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, I was there for a few weeks, just catching up with her, cooking together, seeing the sights, uh, really enjoying not having to pack and unpack my bag every couple of days. Uh, Joe even emptied a couple of drawers for me uh, so that I could really settle in, which was amazing. Thanks, Joe. Um, and I met all of Joe's amazing new friends. Uh, she's been there, I think, coming up to four years now. And um, it, they were all amazing, so lovely, and I felt really happy for her that she'd moved so far away, but had quickly made a gorgeous group of tight-knit new friends. Um, so yeah, it was a lovely time. And while I was there, I, of course, did some research into local queer life and queer community, and I came across a group called Status Queer. And they are a community-led queer focus group based in Quito. Uh, the, they run research groups and uh, feedback sessions with the LGBTQ plus community in the city. And they do data sourcing and create meetups in which they can use this, this data and research and investigations that they do with the local community to create policy recommendations and reform that they like to or aim to try and deliver to local government and institutions. So it's pretty big stuff, really cool stuff. Um, they also run social events um, around all sorts of subjects, uh, including creativity and mental health, and um, try to create as many opportunities for queer people to meet each other uh, as possible. And it was actually at one of these events that I was lucky enough to meet two of the the members of the company that own it. Well, no, that's not a company. They don't own it, but of the group. Um, and that's where I sit, sat down and talked to them at the end of the event. Uh, their names were Ricardo and Jorge Luis. Um, they both work in law and local government, so they're using their knowledge and expertise in these area areas with ambitions to to further the rights and feed freedoms of queer people in Ecuador. Um, unfortunately, as you might have been able to guess by now, um, we ran into the issue of trying to find somewhere to sit down that was quiet and talk. Um, and we eventually settled on sitting in the garden of the apartments that the event was being held at, which was 
kind of right next to probably one of the busiest roads in Quito. Um, it felt like it was fine at the time, which is the thing that I'm discovering. It always feels like it's fine at the time. And I just need to remember, like, it's not. If it's not silent around you, it's not fine. Uh, right now, there's a car alarm going off somewhere in the background. And I'm just really hoping that that's not being picked up here or that it's going to distort the audio. Um, but yes, it sadly meant that when I listened back to the audio, it was way too distorted to use. Uh, we all sound like weird robots or like people speaking underwater or something. It was such just such a strange thing that happens. So yes, again, I have turned this into a storytelling episode. Uh, I'm super gutted because meeting the boys and listening to their like knowledge and their passion and enthusiasm for what they're doing was super energizing and uplifting. And I really wanted you to hear that but I will try my best to get their voices across in this episode um, and I promise that if I ever managed to fix the audio on these episodes that I wasn't able to play the original interview I I will absolutely release them so you can hear them if I ever manage to figure out what happened what went wrong but I just haven't found anything that can help me yet and that's not for lack of trying you know, I've signed up to free trials for like multiple software programs for audio repair. Um, but none of them have been able to kind of help repair the sound, at least not what you can do with them in the trial version, sadly. But like the actual full licenses are hundreds of pounds for these things. So I couldn't just like buy them willy nilly and give it a go, uh, especially when I'm a total rookie. But yeah, hopefully I'll figure it out at some point. Maybe there is some amazing audio engineer out there who is listening to this and thinks that they might be able to help. And if that's you, you should get in touch because I'd be so up for that. Um, anyways, I'm really sorry. And I'm especially sorry to Ricardo and Jorge Luis. Um, but I will now try and pass on what I learned from the boys in this, in in this story. Uh, so yeah, I met them at the Ocado block, and a little Ocado, what? <laughs> the apartment block that Ricardo lives in. Um, I'm pretty sure it was his, the apartment block he lived in. I'm pretty sure he said that. Um, and they had a kind of sort of communal social space on the ground floor. Um, and he had organized with the building management to book it for a private event on the Saturday afternoon for status queer. Um, and this is actually quite a common thing, these social areas in, in apartment blocks in South America, I've noticed. I actually went to a really fun birthday party in one when I first started traveling there in Brazil. Um, they just have these like big social areas downstairs with like, you know, like bathrooms somewhere, maybe a kitchen and um, somewhere that people can just all hang out. It's quite cool. It's almost like a co-working space. Um, yeah, so they had the event there. And they were having a meetup where they were doing a creative writing practice and also some guided meditation and mindfulness practice. There was probably about 20 to 25 of us, um, including everyone. I brought two friends along. There were the two hosts, Ricardo and Jorge Luis. There was the facilitator of the creative writing practice. So that wouldn't be five of us. And then there were probably around 20 other people. Um, everyone was quite young, um, and, um, 
it was a really nice, friendly group of people. Um, we also all brought some food and snacks and we put them out on the ping pong table that was there. And Ricardo made these delicious pina colada drinks for everyone to have when we arrived, which was lovely. Um, yeah, my friends and I brought a giant box of various cookies from this bakery around the corner from Joe's, um, where they did all of these different cookies for like 25 cents a pop. And they're like in all different shapes and sizes and they all taste exactly the same. Uh, just pure sugar. Yeah, they sat relatively untouched for most of the meetup until like the rest of the food was gone and people were still hungry sort of thing. <laughs> but at least I brought something uh, to the table. Uh, yeah. Uh, so once everyone was there and settling in, we all sat around in a large circle in the kind of center section of the room that was the biggest. And once we were all comfortable and the snacks were being passed around, Ricardo was hosting. So he introduced Jorge Luis, who was going to be taking the meditation section of the event. And then he introduced the other speaker uh, for the creative writing section. And then, um, yeah, we all introduced ourselves. Uh, you know, I mainly wanted to be there to observe because this was their event uh, for the people living there. But I, you know, I introduced myself and just let everyone know why I was there, what I was doing. Um, hoping my Spanish was up to par and it seemed fine. Or at least people were kind enough to nod and smile. Um, then, yeah, um, hoped I could stay quiet for the rest of this, the event, which which I did because it was kind of voluntary if you wanted to speak after that point. Um, so the first facilitator of the event was Jorge Luis. Um, he is a, um, he's a little bit shorter than myself. And he's quite pale like me. And he's got these freckles uh, on his cheeks and his nose and his forehead. He's very angular features and dark hair and really good teeth. Um, and dressed quite informally. Um, and he was doing a section on uh, mindfulness and guided meditation. And he actually opened by discussing his journey with anxiety and poor mental health and um, the struggles that he's had with that um, to do with his sexuality. Um, he talked about it in our interview as well. And he was just saying that mindfulness has actually been a kind of savior for him. When he, he started meditating, it was because he was having a lot of internal conflicts uh, between his Christian background and his belief in God and then his sexual orientation and obviously what the Bible and the community quite often teach, the um, Catholic community often teach um, that's in opposition to our sexual orientation and that was causing him a lot of anxiety and making him unable, un, unable to, to focus on anything really or be present in anything in his work, in his relationships um, and discovering meditation helped him reduce the stress and preoccupation that he was feeling. And he was, he found himself being much more able to focus on what was happening in the present moment, rather than constantly asking himself if he was at risk, uh, if he was about to be found out, what was going to happen next? Was he going to be safe? You know, what would happen if he fell out, fell in love or he came out to his parents and they didn't accept him or if he came out publicly 
and that was difficult and or if he was affectionate with a partner in public and they weren't safe in that space all of these questions he said that meditation allowed him to just focus on where he was in the present moment and that gave him the mental space to assess his anxious thoughts and interrupt them and you know allow him to live for what was right in front of him rather than the unknown or the uncertain or the just unhelpful and for Jorge Luis he said that was transformative and he couldn't help but feel that he couldn't be the only person that had felt that way in terms of his mental health and anxiety due to his sexual orientation and his his religious background um and he thought you know maybe this could be helpful to other people in my in my community in the lgbtq plus community and maybe i can can bring this to other people uh so he wanted to share it so he was using this status a queer status queer social event to to bring that to other people you know he said that most resources for this sort of practice are usually published in english and you rarely find them in spanish so being able to speak english himself meant that he could actually translate it and share it with others and that would make it more accessible um which he felt was a real gift and a great privilege to be able to do for other people you know he was saying poor mental health is known to affect queer people disproportionately in comparison to the general population which i think we all know and that's pretty much global and he was saying that access to mental health services in ecuador are expensive for the majority of people and plus um the perception of neg negative public attitudes of queer people can actually prevent queer people from attempting to access mental health services for fear of discrimination by their healthcare professional you know based on their own personal views so yeah with with mindfulness being so helpful for him and essentially free you know even if it takes a lot of practice and discipline to really get into it he felt that taking it to an event could switch on a light for somebody and you know it's kind of that saying even if one person takes something positive from this then that's a good thing so he shared his story with us and then we did a short guided meditation with him and afterwards he took some feedback from the room asking everybody how they felt after doing that uh, guided meditation and it was all received really positively and there was a really supportive and kind of gentle atmosphere in the room and that definitely amplified that it was a really nice moment um the second facilitator um then stepped in uh who was a young woman and she created a sort of creative writing exercise based around love and the memories of love it was quite a short exercise and i didn't like fully understand what was going on completely because my spanish isn't like super duper but i understood it well enough but i didn't take part because i was like well i'm not going to read out my thing because this is their event that i'm observing um but it was a short exercise that everybody did alone and afterwards people shared their writing if they felt comfortable doing so and there was a discussion about what each person said um 
there was a lot of conversation about love for or love from a parent and there were stories of you know teenage crushes and your first crush or your first love uh, some people were saying that you know it was their first time falling in love at that moment in time when they were there and um, I felt quite old at this point but uh, it, they were really sweet stories and uh, they've really got people talking and laughing and connecting a lot more which of course is the reason that everybody's there so it was it was really really nice uh, after the activities we all continued chatting and um, finished the snacks and the drinks and um, as people started to head off for their Saturday evening plans Ricardo, Jorge Luis and I had a wander around the local area trying to see if we could find somewhere you know quiet to record um, but ultimately we settled on coming back to the apartments and we went into the garden we didn't want to use the common space because people were playing table football and ping pong in there and stuff and so we settled on the garden but yeah I think the background noise of all the traffic just on the other side of the wall was probably not ideal but never mind um and yes yeah, so we settled there and we we started to chat and I was asking how the event went um which they actually have named the that event their social ones they've named them queer and chill um which is obviously kind of a nod to a humorous nod to uh the term netflix and chill um though luckily it wasn't interpreted by anyone as some kind of movie and sex group gathering um yeah it was it's it's a fun little name and um ricardo told me they wanted to create an alternative opportunity for their queer network to meet environments that were kind of less focused on partying and alcohol and the club scene and more conducive to kind of having an actual conversation and real connection and really listening to people uh, especially as the group at the moment is still quite a young majority um and especially for for younger queer people i think there is a lot less opportunity for that sort of connection normally uh, you know, we're kind of usually directed towards the club. So I think this is a really nice opportunity for people to have. And I definitely think that they've achieved their mission in creating that space for young queer people. So I hope that it only grows. I hope it's grown since uh, I was there with them. So... um when we met ricardo was 26 so um he might still be 26 now um but he's the original founder of status queer um which he began in 2019 um it was originally he set it up at, whilst he was at university through the sort of inter-university network that exists in ecuador uh, he reached out to people within the university network all over the country um, with his aim to meet queer people and their allies in Ecuador and create a community that can exchange ideas and come up with plans and recommendations that can be fully formed before they're passed on to organizations or institutions or governments and then hopefully, brackets, used to create safer and more inclusive and empowering environments for queer people to exist in. Um, Ricardo told me that initially the group's 
were you know um student and youth focused but over time they've tried to kind of expand as much as possible to involve voices from as many different backgrounds and experiences as possible whether that be age race religious background academic socioeconomic background um you know gender expression sexual orientation uh he said that you know obviously the broader context and breadth of experience they have input from the more inclusive and thoughtful their work and their recommendations and their research can be um so the name status queer was selected as a direct nod to the term status quo and ricardo told me that the idea is to say that you know they're there to be visible and to break that status quo and to break through stereotypes not just stereotypes of the queer community but also of what a leader looks like what an activist looks like um he was saying that the act idea of an activist here in in Ecuador he felt was not a very positive one a lot of the time that he felt there was a pretty outdated view of someone who disrupts and makes noise but can't really create change because they don't have the resources or the knowledge on how to create change or even how the system really works he said that politicians don't give activists a lot of time and they're often ignored by the media because of this so he was saying that he wants to break that dynamic and show people and politicians that activism is useful and effective in their country and um you know he was saying with with his knowledge and his and the group's knowledge and expertise and all of the uh information that they gather in their their group sessions um that they're basically doing all the heavy lifting so all that needs to happen at that end point is to hopefully implement positive change if it's passed you know so he said that's another reason that there too you know to create a feeling of empowerment in people who want to be active in their community and in politics and create a space where they can talk about all things affecting their life education mental health sexual health all these other things that affects queer people in in their country. Um Jorge Luis had been with Status Queer for around 6 months when I met them and he told me that he is heading up the section that they call Queer Lab. Um and that is where they make investigations um and and basically it's kind of like almost like data sourcing. Um and they plan to create databases of information of statistics and as much resources as possible on the LGBTQ experience in Ecuador and the things affecting LGBTQ lives in Ecuador and uh, you know he has a great knowledge on how public policy is creative uh, created sorry and has ex- extensive experience in in investigating and creating data from his work at the Ministry of Labor in Quito. Uh so Ricardo said with a big smile on his face that Jorge Luis is perfect for this. Um and he he's obviously very admiring of Jorge Luis and it was very sweet to watch them kind of sing each other's praises. Um 
Ricardo added that he was really excited because they'd already worked on one large project with a rather large number of people. And um, Jorge Luis has a very um, academic background and analytical mind, so that he was he was a perfect leader for that project. Um, so at that point, I, I asked them what kind of traits they wanted to see in a modern leader, thinking about how they were trying to break stereotypes of uh, leaders and activists. And um, Ricardo, Ricardo said that he would like to see somebody who's a real people person, someone that has genuine um, interests in people and social skills, someone who can really listen properly and really hear what people are saying, not someone who's only interested in speaking or telling people how to think. Um, Jorge Luis really agreed and said that it was important for a leader not just to focus on getting advice from businesses or big institutions and to open the floor to allow the voices of real people into the conversation. Um, you know, he pointed out that leaders should be capable of adapting as well. You know, understanding that the world is constantly changing and rather than trying to keep everyone in the same place all the time, you know, learning to adapt and seeing what's going on around you. You know, you may have been doing your work for 20 years and you may have got things right over those 20 years but that doesn't mean that you're going to get things right for people right now unless you're really seeing what's going on you know they should have the humility to accept that they will not know how to do everything or how to have the answer to everything and they will actually need to rely on their community to give them those answers and tell them what their priorities should be at the moment nobody knows best than the people living that experience you know and for the most part, politicians don't live the same lives as us. They live very different lives. They're very out of touch. And I think that you could say that for most government systems and most political systems, to be honest. I, I don't think I say that just from a like, British perspective. And I don't think that they were just saying that from a sort of Ecuadorian perspective, you know. So, yeah, their comments really got me thinking about the current state of their government and their leadership. And I asked them what current representation for queer people in government looked like. And Jorge Luis said that it wasn't just government representation alone, but like the whole political and legal um, sort of system. He said that he felt that there was very little accomplished in terms of representation and there's definitely a lot of work to do there. But he did caveat that you could see the tides moving in some ways um, and pointed out that, you know, despite the current president being a conservative Catholic um, with a fairly, you know, centre-right government, that they've brought the discussion of queer rights into their campaign uh, due to pressure from both within his team and from the public and they have said that they're committed to working more with the lgbtq plus community um and whilst it's hard to decipher what that really means just from one sentence um and it might seem that his intentions are not clear or not necessarily what we as queer people would see as for the right reasons 
Jorge Luis said, you know, sometimes you have to think like a politician in order to work with them and get what you want out of them and public policy. You know, most politicians are actually really in it for themselves. Uh, so if something's not part of their experience, it won't be on their agenda. Uh, so therefore, you know, we should be using every opportunity we have to get our voice in the room. And when we do, to speak for those who can't even get into the room in the first place as well. You know, Jorge said that the struggle for trans people in in Ecuador to find stable work or safe housing um, and or to be listened to to try and access that is really difficult. Um, and so that is one of the reasons that they created Queer Lab from In Status Queer, because they want to create a space where all people from our community can be heard and all of that information and data and, and experience can be gathered and then use the access that they have, that Jorge Luis has, you know, uh, from working within an institution and that knowledge of how the system works to, to get this information and these stories and experiences heard somewhere. Um, so I think that's a really amazing form of support and it could be really powerful. Um, I asked them both if they had a kind of mission statement for status queer and Ricardo said that he just wants to get good people into the room with policymakers and he wants to engage people in politics and create new activists out of people and new leaders for the future. Um, you know, he said currently our their main group of organizers is is six gay men. And so they do know that they need to reach out more and find more uh, people, you know, gay women, bi people, trans and non-binary people. Um, so they know they've got more work to do so that they have a more diverse group of leaders within their group alone. But they know that they can do it as well. And, you know, I was saying to them it kind of felt like they wanted to be mentors to people as well as a kind of bridge between the regular people, regular civilians, I guess you, if you want to call them that, and the people that work within institutions and they, they agreed. Um, you know, Ricardo was saying that he thinks politics and public policy is purposely made confusing and complicated so that people don't try to get involved and make change. Um, you know, it's it that serves the people at the top, really, doesn't it? In a lot of political systems around the world, and so they were saying, you know, their state is queer. They want to teach people how it all works and show them how they can influence decision makers. And they're really excited to try and empower people in that way. And so I was, I, you know, I was really impressed by everything they said. And I said it's clear that they've got a lot of plans for the future but I wanted to know what they were most proud of that they'd done so far. And Jorge Luis replied saying that he was really proud of the community that they're starting to build and that he's been able to him, himself open up and open up to other people and tell his story. Um, and he's really proud of how that's resonated with other people and that that's meant people have come back again. And he is also really proud of their presence on social media and how far reaching it's been, you know, so much so that they've had people travel from other cities to get involved in their events. 
and you know they've had their content shared hundreds of times um and ricardo added that you know he's he's loved that they've had the opportunity to create a space for young people who are figuring themselves out to come and truly be themselves and find their identity and their tribe and he knows how difficult that can still be at home or school and university for people even when there's progress happening there's still a lot of kind of uh, antiquated attitudes um so to create a space where people can come and be completely free of prejudice and meet other people like them without any fear is really important to him you know he said that he's really proud that they're able to do important work um, with politics and activism and create positive change but the big thing for him was seeing the positive change the group has on individuals and that means just as much to him if not more um so i asked them after that what else they had planned and i was kind of beaming at this point like really smiling because they're both just so upbeat and enthusiastic and smart um and ricardo said that he plans to continue finding spaces in the city that they can form partnerships with so that they can hold more and more events you know hotels bars um you know more kind of social spaces in other residences um he particularly loved the area that we met in which is in the kind of south side of the city um they call it south square uh, it's by this massive park in the city and uh, he said it's a really diverse area with people from all sorts of kind of ac academic and social backgrounds so he thinks that getting their name out in this area in particular would give them a really wide range of of um experience uh, to add to their work and to build a really strong community and uh jorge luis agreed and finished just by saying you know he kind of wanted me to to reach out to everyone and just say you know if you're listening and you're in quito or ecuador and you want to get involved in queer labs or any of the other status queer events to find them online and get in touch um and i'm pretty sure i'm going to double check for you now I'm going to go on instagram but i'm pretty sure that it's status.queer on instagram i don't do any other um social media so i can't tell you any other ones no it's, sorry so it's status queer all one word dot ec for ecuador so i really recommend finding them and the final thing that jorge luis said you know um is when it comes to this sort of work um you know it might feel like hard or like you don't know what you're doing but you could change your own life or you could change the future for your whole community. You could do one tiny thing um, or you could do something that takes forever and a lot of work. But if you don't do anything, nothing will happen. Uh, so you just have to at least show up, you know. Um, and at that point, I was like, oh, my God, this man needs to be president. Honestly, um, it was such an uplifting and inspiring conversation um i really wish you could have heard it um but i loved meeting ricardo and jorge luis thank you so much boys if you are having a listen to this they're so intelligent so enthusiastic so passionate and you know the fact that they're working in the political sphere and still had that feeling to me was just like what because 
I feel like in recent years, you know, politicians worldwide have kind of made such a joke of of government. Um, and I feel just kind of like fatigued and hopeless, to be real. Um, and I'm sure that I'm not the only person feeling that way. Um, so yeah, meeting two young people embedded in those areas of work and reaching out to their community and creating reforms and policy and recommendations for, for governments and institutions and using their voice, voices and essentially doing the work that governments should be doing themselves and doing it for free is pretty amazing. Um, you know, especially in a world where I feel like more and more of us every day are looking at our governments and saying like, what the fuck are you for? And like losing faith and just becoming ap apathetic, you know, um, we need more people like Ricardo and Jorge Luis everywhere. Um, and I find I'm, I'm just in real admiration of them. You know, they're taking it into their own hands. They're listening to their community. They're bridging a gap and they're coming to it all with all of their knowledge on how things work and, you know, I think if we watch them closely, I honest, I honestly feel like they're going to be a very big part of the liberation of queer people or maybe all people over the years in Ecuador. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be watching them closely and I think you all should too. Uh, so yeah, thank you again, Ricardo and Jorge Luis from Status Queer. It was such a pleasure. And if I'm back in Quito, I'll be dropping you a message and seeing what you're up to and um, hopefully coming along to another event. Thank you so much for listening to Queer World Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed creating it. Don't forget you can subscribe wherever you listen to Queer World Podcast. And don't forget as well that you can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Queer World Podcast or via email queerworldpodcast at gmail.com. Before I go, I just want to thank my good friend Tom Pitts for providing the music to the episode. You can find him on Spotify and you can also find him on Instagram under the name of Auld, A-U-L-D. Go and check him out. His stuff is absolutely amazing. But until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and I will see you soon.